Dex, aka Nomadico of Underground Resistance, and you are listening to Base Agenda. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to Base Agenda, episode 185. Three hours of magic for you this week. House, techno, electro, funk, hip-hop, all put together and curated by three great guests. Later on in the show, we've got a mega mix from Canada's Cryogenetic. We've got a guest mix from Andrew Redhand. And in part one, DJ Dex, aka Nomadico of Underground Resistance. Nice in-depth interview, lots of great stories, lots of great information. And a huge amount of great music for you. You're going to hear his voice throughout the first hour and a half or so. I'll chip in every now and again. The interview was recorded about uh, two and a half, three weeks ago been a fan of this guy's music for quite some time so a real honor to finally get him on the show enjoy the ride should be something for everyone on this one
two different sides to my interest in music. The first was kind of from a, I guess more of a tinkering aspect, because I got into audio. Uh, I remember my family had a pair of these old uh, speakers, like old style, like 1970s uh, speakers that looked like furniture. They kind of looked like end tables or something. And uh, for the longest time, I didn't know what they were. And I was probably, I don't know, maybe around 10 or so. And I was curious what those things were. And I noticed there was a plug on the back of it. And then I got a screwdriver and I opened it up. And I saw there was a speaker in there. And I was like, what? And the reason I was even interested in it, I think, was probably because I was already listening to music. Uh, One of my earliest memories of music was uh, my older sister used to go out to parties and this is again like mid early to mid 80s 1980s and back then like high energy disco and Italo uh, was huge I didn't back then I think it was all just kind of at least in Los Angeles it was all kind of bundled into like disco music as a catch-all term but um, I had one of her takes for like the longest time. I I lost it at some point in high school, but I remember I kind of just listened to one of her mixtapes that she had from a local DJ. It's like a 90 minute tape and it just had all this like 80s kind of synth pop, everything from like Pet Shop Boys to New Order to like B-52s. And I remember hearing um, Telex, Moscow Disco on there for the first time. That was on there and like a whole lot of like uh, other 80s stuff like uh, Lime, Berlin, all those kinds of bands, you know. And then after that, I think I remember getting a, uh, a tape a tape deck from my aunt, which allowed me to record off the radio. And then the pause tape started, you know, pause mixtapes off the radio, that thing that I think almost every DJ did at some point. And, uh, and then eventually I got into DJing by the time I was in high school. So it kind of just all came together through outside influences and things that were around me in my immediate environment.
class in high school I think it was like my sophomore junior year and the uh, one of the kids that was in my uh, music class uh, asked me if I wanted to join the marching band the high school marching band I think I'd been messing around with some drums or something and he was like hey can you play this and I tapped it out and he's like how about this can you try this and I tapped it out and he was like okay you should be in the marching band so I kind of auditioned just by like you know having a sense of rhythm I guess and uh, I joined the high school marching band. I only made it one semester in the marching band because it was way too much work. <laughs> I remember being like, wow, I gotta spend all this time after school and then get on the bus and go to these other schools. And I think, yeah, I think I made it one season of like football games going and playing in the marching band. And then I was like, okay, I'm good on that. But uh, my interest in drums remained. I remember still playing. And at one point I took up percussion and played congas for a while. And then on the flip side, around that same uh, era, uh, I got into DJing, started collecting records and whatnot. I think it was maybe late 90s when I got an MPC drum machine, and that's when I really started to like, okay, let me futz around with this stuff and see what I can do. So I think it was just like a natural evolution of like, you know, I think I could probably make some of these uh, tracks that I'm hearing, especially when it came to hip-hop. Like, I heard hip-hop, and I was like, yeah, I can make this stuff. Forgiven what I'm giving up. Expo 
formative hip-hop band when I was uh, in middle school I remember listening to uh, Fear of a Black Planet like on repeat for just forever I memorized all the lyrics and like just I was just amazed by how it was made all the samples and you know dialogue random noises like it was just like this amazing like collage of sounds that uh, the bomb squad had thrown together and 
you throw on top of it, you know, Chuck D and Flavor Flav and Public Enemy was just like amazing to me. And that particular song, Welcome to the Terror Dome, was one that I would just throw on and just get so hyped, man. I was like <laughs> break dancing in my bedroom and being like, so like this is just amazing. Uh, so I remember that that Public Enemy kind of stuck with me over the years. You know, like I would come back to them and listen to them again. I still discover stuff about them because. You know, I have a wide interest in music, and uh, I always kind of come back to listening to those albums and feel like I still learn from them. Would you join me, please, and welcome to This week, to speak and blame somebody else. Will you destroy yourself? First, nothing worse than the mother's pain of a son slain in business. Her can't wait for the state to side the fate. So this jam I dedicate places with the racist faces. Sample one of many places. We, we, in speak. I speak from a lesson learned in Virginia. I don't smile in a line of fire, go wild. And but it's on bass and drums, even violence. What you do? Get your head ready. Instead of getting physically sweaty. When I get mad, I put it down on the pad. Huh. Give you something that you never had. Controlling, fear of high rolling. God bless your soul and keep living. Never allow kicking it loud, dropping a bomb, brain game, intellectual being. Now move as a team, never move alone. Well, welcome to the Terror Dome. Yo, look at you, look at you now. You ain't wondering if you me. Now look at you. Wow. You're listening to Deep Space Radio. agenda.
around mid 90s, I started getting into more, uh, I, for lack of a better word, domestic techno. Like a lot of the stuff I heard in LA was rave stuff and a lot of things coming out of Europe and England. Um, and I was going to a shop called Beat Nonstop. And that's when I started discovering uh, a lot of Detroit techno and Chicago house more. Um, New York house was always very big in LA. So we knew about Little Louis Vega and Masters of Work. And uh, a lot of those guys out there, DJ Duke was a huge uh, influence. Um, and then a lot of the Chicago house DJs used to come to LA all the time. So I started discovering, you know, a lot of the more American labels. I kind of, you know, went backwards because of the way LA is, you, you know, there's a huge scene for everything here. And rave was huge, but I made my way towards learning about American house music and techno. Uh, that way and I still remember hearing Illuminator on the Electronic Warfare LP and it was like the most soulful lush uh, funky music I had heard on vinyl that I could DJ and I was just like what is this and I remember thinking it's it kind of has this like electronic trance kind of vibe because I was that music was very popular in LA at the time trance music there's a lot of European DJs playing at the raves and people were really digging the trance sound but Illuminator had a kind of soulfulness and a lushness and a like pensiveness that it wasn't trying to bang you over the head with its um, melody it was just kind of there and uh, yeah Illuminator was just that that track where I was like damn how do you do this you know how do you make this happen? And obviously, you know, I think before I ever even thought about joining Underground Resistance or going to Detroit, um, it w I was kind of just, you know, being molded by that style or that sound already uh, as a teenager. Underground Resistance was kind of just another one of, you know, amazing artists that were coming out of Detroit at the time you know I remember being into like you know obviously Derek May's stuff Juan Atkins was huge for me like Cybertron those early Cybertron uh, tracks were in my head like at like 12 13 years old like I heard those on the radio in LA you know clear was just like one of those tracks that everybody knew so uh, so yeah you are was just kind of another uh, branch or what have you of Detroit Techno but I have to give big thanks and shout out to Santiago Salazar because he actually reached out to Submerge and was like helping them get records into into LA record stores and uh, I think at one point Mike visited LA and you know uh, Santi hosted him and took him around like you know they were friends early on uh, and uh, he kind of hit me to the fact that, hey, you know, you can get these records directly from Submerge if you want, you know, just start using the mail order, you know, via e at the time they were just starting to use email. You go on the website, pick out some stuff, send it to Bridget, and then, you know, you could send him a check or whatever <laughs> and get your records. So I started doing that, you know, I started ordering stuff direct and Submerge had, you know, 430 West, they had uh, all the Jeff Mills stuff. 
plus the UR stuff, plus KMS, plus Transmat. Like at the time, you could just get you could get everything from them from Submerge. So I I kind of got in that mode. I think at one point, uh, and this is kind of a vague memory, but I was doing a, a college radio station, and I remember getting a promo from Submerge, kind of out of the blue, and it was a white label uh, test pressing of the first Interstellar Fugitives. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, they, they just sent this to me? I, I, I don't even know what prompted it. <laughs> and I was just like geeked as hell, you know? And this is, you know, I think 97, 98, something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just kind of was being drawn closer and closer to uh, eventually joining UR. Um, what really set it off was um, around 2000, 2001, Santiago started talking about going to Detroit. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things like you talk about these kind of things, you don't know if it's going to happen, just an idea. And then in, uh, in 2001, it started to become something serious. Uh, the DEMF was in its second year, and I decided to go to the festival and check it out. Bought a ticket, got a hotel with some friends, and then uh, I think I spent one night at Submerge. I, I hit up Mike, hung out with him. He showed me like the you know the early stages of the current 3000 uh, East Grand Boulevard building. It was still under construction. I slept in the basement, which was at that point still just like you know a collection of old boxes. Like the record record store wasn't even set up yet, and there was a bunch of cats hanging out, and I slept down there. So. I got that experience of like meeting Mike and realizing how much of a kind of humble person he is. Just kind of a working class dude who's into art and music and trying to, you know, advance himself and other people around him. But at the same time, living with the reality of like, yo, I'm in Detroit and, you know, I'm trying to overcome low expectations here, which is just a hard reality for a lot of, uh, a lot of inner city people in America, you know, and I think we vibed off that because I came up working class and I was always told that, hey, you know, these people aren't expecting much of you. So you got to work twice as hard. You got to work three times as hard. You got to show them that you uh, are worthy and whatnot. So that kind of that kind of messes you up, you know. So when you vibe out with people who come from that same background, who are like, yeah, fuck you, you know, <laughs> I am smart and I do deserve to be up in this you know I can do high-tech art I can do this I can do that you know it's a uh, it, it's I think it, it gives you you know somewhat of a chip on your shoulder but at the same time it can give you an edge so yeah so you know I went out there visited Mike and six months later he was like hey man Santi just made his move Santi I think had gone out there I think like November, December, like towards the end of the year, 2001. And I decided to make my move as well. And from there, like I, like I said earlier, I started just kind of doing a day job at Submerge and just kind of fell into being an underground resistance.
far as the tracks that I'm particularly proud of, yeah, there's a big story behind all these. <laughs> uh, so Timeline Time Sensitive is also known as Return of the Dragons, aka a remake of the Galaxy to Galaxy classic Journey of the Dragons on Underground Resistance. When I moved from LA to Detroit, I initially was there to work at Submerge, but obviously, you know, Submerge and UR are kind of intertwined. They're almost one and the same, although they perform different functions. So while I did my kind of day daytime job duties at Submerge, um, there was always kind of like this background thing of like, well, I guess maybe tonight we'll work on some music, you know? And it so happened that um, I think we had been working on the Los Hermanos project with Rolando. And, uh, you know, I was getting to know Gerald Mitchell all the time. And I also got to know Rafael Merriweathers, a.k.a. Unknown Soldier. And he was a longtime friend of, and still is a longtime friend of Mike Banks. So between those two guys and Mike and myself, um, the band Timeline was, for, was formed as a way to kind of get Mike back into touring. He hadn't done it for a while at that point. Um, and Jeff Mills actually asked him to do something for a residency that he was doing in Tokyo at the Womb Club. And it was uh, the theme was time. So it made sense to Mike to call the band Timeline. And when it came time to record something, he kind of felt... I don't know if he was feeling nostalgic or what, but he felt like he wanted to remake Journey of the Dragons. So, um, I kind of was, uh, I guess, engineer on that record. Pretty much uh, produced on my my uh, my in, in my studio, my personal studio at Submerge. So we took you know the samples and whatnot from the original Journey of the Dragons and started to construct a framework of on how we would kind of remake it. And then it was kind of like a assembly line process. So Raphael Merriweather, who's an experienced, extremely talented drummer, came in and laid down the drum parts. Um, Mike replayed the bass lines and the strings. And then uh, Gerald Mitchell, who's an amazing keyboardist, did the solos and all those you know, kind of nuanced touches that went into it. And I kind of arranged it using kind of my sense of you know, DJ arrangement as to how it should flow. And uh, yeah, so that record was kind of my kind of immersion into UR, collaborating with other guys in the band. And then we eventually did like a, a series of shows all over the world this timeline.
once we once we did that first show for Jeff Mills uh, at the Womb in Tokyo, it kind of just became this thing where Mike was like, "Yeah, we 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 rocked that, you know, we we killed it. Let's keep it going." So I think we did another show in uh, in Rome and uh, and Bologna in Italy. We played for uh, uh, the Final Frontier crew. Uh, Michael, I'm sorry, Marco Passerani and Andrea Benedetti. Those are our brothers over there in Italy. They hooked up some gigs. I think we played it. The Bologna gig was actually another one with Jeff. Jeff Mills played that night as well. We opened for him. Uh, and then we came back and did a show, an after uh, after party show in Detroit during the, I think it was the, f- I want to say 2004. Yeah, so that would have been the fourth or fifth uh, DEMF. And that whole experience just kind of taught me a lot about what it's like to really be a touring musician, being a touring DJ, being in Timeline. And uh, see, my role as far as in being in the band was, uh, like I said before, I was kind of the, the DJ, like the DJ ears for the band. Um, the way the set worked was it was a seamless, for the most part, a seamless performance. So I was working turntables. At first we did vinyl and then we transitioned to uh, CDJs just because of the whole like uh, uh, difficulty of setting up turntables properly. When you're playing with musicians, you really can't afford to have your record skip. Like, it's just not an option. You can't recover from that. It throws off all the musicians, and it can just really, you know, it can potentially ruin a set. So we transitioned to CDJs, and my job was basically to program, run the program of the music from start to finish, um, and mix everything live. So in some cases, I was doing, like, beat match mixes, um, in other cases, I would just do straight cuts because we kind of changed the tempo of stuff. But I was always dropping things on beat. The, the, the idea was to keep the whole flow working like a DJ set. At one point, we did like these little sections where, you know, musicians would stop and I would do like a quick mix, either like some kind of like, you know, turntable is like transforming and cutting kind of thing. Or I'd have samples. There was one part where I did like a, a sample of craft work. So I would drop like four bars of a Kraftwerk track in the middle of a UR track. Um, we did this mashup of uh, Numbers and Final Frontier, you know, things like that. So the musicians would get a little break and I would do my thing and then they had their cues to come back in. So really that, uh, you know, that that was really a, a great experience for me to perform and play with musicians to understand the pressure of what that is. We had to rehearse a lot. It was a it was a really amazing experience. stuff so far from uh, DJ Dex aka Nomadico just getting started really uh, into his own tracks that he's particularly proud of or tracks that he's had a role in uh, making nice stuff from Timeline and I thought while we're here we'd drop another track from that same EP really nice stuff track coming in now is called The Next Wave (laughs) 
Juan's Caminos del Nino. And that one's important to me because uh, it's made with a couple friends. Uh, actually, just to clarify, Santiago and Esteban produced the track. And then when it came time to finish it, they asked me if I could mix it. So I think on a, like, at this, time, at this time I was living in New York and I came to visit LA. And uh, I think I spent an afternoon or so on Esteban's computer and just kind of did the mix and the arrangement for him and knocked it down and it's just one of these tracks that I still love to play it, I felt like it was one of the best examples of kind of like high-tech Latin soul techno outside of like the work of Los Hermanos and Rolando uh, that track really kind of nails it on the head it has some Afro-Cuban influences uh, but it still has a driving beat and the uplifting strings it's just it's an amazing track and I'm still very proud of it. Recently, uh, the other couple tracks are on my label, Yax Tech. The first being Nomadico, Romero's Echo. That track is just like my own personal production. Uh, the, uh, I guess the most identifying feature of it is a sample of a preacher in the, in the breakdown. And I captured that sample when I was walking by this little church one night when it was raining. 
And the guy's voice was just so distinctive to me. It just it had this like almost like movie like quality where I was like, is this guy, his voice, is this, is this guy for real? Like, I couldn't believe it. So I whipped out my little recorder and I captured, I don't know, a few minutes of him. And there was one particular section where he was talking about um, uh, in Spanish, he says, no dejes que nadie te quite tu corona which essentially means don't let anyone take your halo. And he's speaking metaphorically, of course, that you shouldn't let anyone take your, um, kind of like your, your, I don't want to say your innocence, but like your sincerity or your, your humility. Don't take, don't let anyone take that from you, you know, because I think a lot of us, you know, get corrupted here and there, you know, become jaded about things. And, you know, from a religious perspective, you know, most religions teach you that you should be humble and, you know, not let your ego take over, you know, so forth and so on. So in that, that little bit, he's, he's talking about all these things in life that can kind of bring you down. But you shouldn't let that happen, basically. And beyond that, it's a banging techno track. Like, it's one of the most banging ones I've made. I, I love playing it out. It always gets a reaction. It's a real roller. It's just like... It just, you know, it's like a, a train coming through the club when it when I play it. So I love playing it. It's got a ridiculous, like, you know, this little uh, kind of Kraftworkian uh, lead line on there. And yeah, it's just, it's one of my jams that I love that I made myself.
Ray Foster from Vancouver, Canada. You're listening to Bass Agenda. mode I thought I'd drop another one in also from the same album gentrification came out on DJ Dex's own Yaxtech imprint towards the end of last year A track called cultural erosion
then the last track, El Coyote Dream Dealer, is a track I collabed on with uh, Esteban Adame. He played me some stuff that he was working on, and uh, we had actually done other uh, tracks as El Coyote on his label, Ikan, him and Santiago's label, Ikan Productions. And it had been a while, so I was like, yo, man, you know, we should do another El Coyote, another, you know, co collaboration. And uh, he played me this track, and uh, before it was called Dream Dealer, <coughs> excuse me, before it was called Dream Dealer, um, he, you know, kind of gave me the insight that, yo, you know, I kind of like uh, got some inspiration from uh, Manuel Gachin's classic E2, E4 on this. And I heard the chords, and I was like, oh, yeah, I hear it. He just kind of like housed it up a little bit more. And it sounded amazing, just like the demo version that he showed me that he just like had done a quick mix down on. And I was like, cool, how about you let me uh, finish that up for you and maybe add a few things. And I ran with it and I still love dropping that track. That's another, it's like a hands in the air kind of techno house. I feel like it's it's kind of, it's neither, it's neither techno nor house, it kind of fits its, in its own uh, class as a, just like a, a dance music jam. So I feel like you can play it in a backyard party or at a big festival and it always gets people like moving and gets their attention again it has it, i feel like it captures that high-tech latin soul vibe um, from like the los hermanos days so that's just one of my faves i, I love playing it Esteban Adame, and you're listening to my homies on Base Agenda. electro scene by itself is something that I'm I so much I, I don't so much feel uh, like I'm a part of it in the same way I'm kind of, I almost feel like I'm an, an observer because I've kind of seen it already you know what I mean like there's been a resurgence of like harder banging techno just like in the late 90s you know that, that sound was huge back then electro has kind of gotten it's due more now which 
I really love. I, I love the fact that guys like you know St DJ Stingray are out there, like kind of in the you know mainstream dance music media and getting props. But the music itself, like the sound of electro, is not new. You know, it's 20 to 30 years old. So it's not giving me the same like uh, elevated pulse rate as it did back then. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just I'm just older. You know what I mean? It's great for young people who hear it the first time. I'm sure they're getting their mind blown away. It's not new to me personally. You know, I'm, I still feel like I'm involved to a certain extent. I'm not exclusively a techno electro DJ. You know, when I play out, I play to, to the crowd. You know, I play house music, I play funk, I play disco, and I kind of weave in and out of all that stuff. And depending on the setting, if I'm playing a primetime set, I'll start banging it out, you know? I'll play some electro, I'll play some hard techno, you know, I'll play UR classics, all that stuff. And so it's kind of a conflicted thing, I don't know. So it's hard to say where I stand, you know? I still love it, I still love music, but it's hard to say where I stand in relation to the scene. Now for DJ Dex, aka Nomadico, to choose a couple of tracks that have impressed him lately by other artists. Rhythm Ritual on uh, Oskut Ton uh, is by Martin, who's also like a veteran of electronic music. It's got elements of bass, of uh, broken beat, a little bit of like house swing samples in there, and and techno because it's like it's a really driving track. When I've played it, I can like kind of go anywhere with it. I can mix it into like a driving techno set and just break up that. Or I can mix it into electro and like go in a whole nother direction. It's like, it's just one of these tracks where it's, it's a chameleon and it can fit in anywhere. I, uh, I played it, I included it in a, in a podcast I did early, uh, last year uh, for uh, Obey Records, which is uh, Shepherd Fairy's kind of musical outlet. Uh, and I particularly did a mix for that that was kind of all over the place musically a little bit. Um, and this track fit in perfectly there, you know, because it just kind of has all these different elements that are fused together and it's executed so well that you know, it, it becomes its own thing.
You're listening to Deep Space Radio. Passerani, Exit Velocity. And I picked that track because it's kind of got the rare combination of like the a, a perfect balance between techno and house. And I know tech house is kind of a bad word <laughs> because of the generic uh, bland nature of a lot of the tech house out there. But for me, when I can find a track that kind of has the uh, tempo and the swing and I guess the soul of house music, but with like electronic textures and a little more, uh, I guess, minimal uh, production to it, uh, I feel like it's... It's, it's kind of almost a hard thing to do, so anyone who can do it and pull it off uh, deserves a lot, of tro- a lot of props. And Marco Passerani is, of course, a well-known veteran of electronic music under various uh, pseudonyms. And on this track that he released on a new label called um, Unrelatable is right in, right in the pocket as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's, it's not a, f- a fast track. It's a very kind of mid-tempo track. And it takes like almost five minutes before it builds up to like this very sweet, amazing melodic breakdown with like reverb and delays and, you know, just all, all the stuff that uh, it's almost a cliche, but it works. But it does it in such a way that it doesn't sound corny and it's very techno, but at like 120 beat, beats per minute. <laughs> So, so yeah, I, th- I threw that in there because, you know, like I was talking about earlier, I don't have a lot of affiliation, like direct affiliation with like the electro scene or the techno scene or the house scene. Like these things are kind of confining to me. So this track kind of transcends a lot of that, a lot of those borders and genre and stuff.
Uh, I've got some gigs in the works. I can't announce anything right now because it's not confirmed. I can say that uh, I'm hosting uh, Mad Mike uh, here in LA this coming week. He's coming for the big NAM conference. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with Mike <laughs> at the NAM conference here here in, uh, in Southern California. That's going to be good. Uh, just geeking out on gear and you know hanging out. Maybe getting in the studio for a bit. Uh, Release-wise, I'm working on stuff for uh, Yaks Tech primarily. I'm always producing music and I'm always stacking stuff up. So I have music that's kind of just sitting around idle. For Yaks Tech, I'm trying to fade off being the primary uh, artist on the label. And the next release is by a guy from Honduras who's also living in LA now. His name is Roberto Espinosa, and he's got a project called Ritmos. So that will hopefully be coming out by the summer. The most recent release was by uh, an LA native by the name of Javier Danciso. my website yakstech.com that's pretty much got all the information you'd like if you look up dex nomadico on facebook and or instagram you'll find me there uh, dex nomadico is not my artist name it's just some bullshit social media name that i came up with <laughs> because i go by dj dex and i go by nomadico <laughs> Thanks out to DJ Dex, a.k.a. Nomadico. Make sure you check out his back catalogue. Check out his future catalogue, of course, as well. Coming up next, we've got Cryogenetics Megamix. 30 minutes of insanity for you. Real cool stuff. Courtesy of the guys at uh, Filth Tracks XL. Before that, though, just time for a couple of quick promos. Kicking off with this one. Tech Marine Bottom Feeders. Hot on the heels of their last fantastic EP. Nice dark 4-4 action, track called The Proud Traitor's Demise. 
What's up, y'all? This is Paris the Black Fool of the Detroit Grand Poobahs, and you're listening to Base Agenda.
This is Einrich Dressel and you're listening to Bass Agenda. Wisdom track on uh, the Ritual Poison label. Coming up next, we're going to pick up the pace, get a bit frantic with the help of uh, Canada's cryogenetic in the mix. Hey, this is Cherry P from Filth Tracks XL, and we have for you a mega mix from the man known as Cryogenetic. Cryogenetic is a sort of obscure electro producer from Toronto. He put out a lot of stuff in the 90s and early 2000s. His last 12-inch was on Twilight 76, and that was over 18 years ago. So needless to say, we're very excited to be putting out um, a 12-inch with him in 2020, uh, distributed through Clone. So without further ado, let's get into this mega mix with Crowd Genetic. Thank <laughs> you. 
The number one underground base agenda.
Genetic for putting that together. So cool to hear he's back. Make sure you check out his uh, new EP on Filth Tracks XL. The EP is called Back in Time. And speaking of going back in time, it's uh, about five years since Andrew Redhand was interviewed on Base Agenda. Super talented artist, super talented DJ. But seeing as he named one of the tracks 
on his Inspiring Memories EP after his appearance on here, Bass Agenda 86. It feels kind of special to have him back on the show. Another great journey ahead as we head into hour three. This is Andrew Redhand, and you're listening to Bass Agenda.
Hallo, ich bin Helena Hauf und ihr hört Base Gender Radio.
Yo, what's up? This is DJ Assault, the undisputed king of booty, and you're rocking with Bass Agenda. Yeah.
This is Dave Clark, and you're listening to
Great stuff from Andrew Redhand, thanks to him. Love and respect out to him, Cryogenetic, and DJ Dex, aka Nomadico, for making this last three hours a great ride. Hope you enjoyed it. Downloaded the show, complete with track list, will be up over the weekend at some point on soundcloud.com slash bassagenda. Also available on the iTunes feed as well. Deepspaceradio.com, going to keep playing shows from the Bass Agenda archive over the next three or four weeks. But I'll be back next month with a fresh new episode for you. Until then, do what you can to support the people who make the noises that you're hearing. Look after each other. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Yo, this is DJ Digital. Thanks again for checking out Andy on the Base Agenda Show.